debate uh, on how to protect journalists and civil society actors, which is on on the SLAP initiative. Welcome here in Brussels in the European Economic and Social Committee and also online for all those who joined in uh, via Zoom. My name is Julian Plotka. Uh, I'm a researcher at the University of Passau and today I will be your moderator. As I just said, some of the participants joined online and therefore before I'm welcoming the panelists and speakers, uh, just give me some, let me give some technical remarks to those participating online. Uh, first of all, the meeting is recorded, so everything here in the room and also in the Zoom meeting is uh, uh, will be recorded and available on the UEF website afterwards. Uh, for those online, please uh, mute your microphones if you don't speak, And uh, but we kindly encourage you to switch on your uh, cameras. Now I would like to welcome our panelists in alphabetical order. Ilaria Sucurel, a member of the European Parliament, will join us a bit later because she had a tight schedule. Uh, I welcome Anna Echterhoff, who is already here, uh, Christian Moos, uh, Camille Petit, and Tomasz Wrobleski, who has already Hello. joined us uh, online. Thank you very much for uh, accepting our invitation. Uh, I will give a brief introduction who, and present the speakers before, uh, in, before they uh, get their word. Uh, the debate will first of all start with a brief welcome uh, by Anna, Anna Echterhoff. Afterwards, we will have two rounds of questions I'll ask to all panelists. And after those two rounds of uh, questions to the panelists, we uh, we will give also the audience uh, the opportunity to ask a few questions and answers. And afterwards, the panelists have the opportunity to give a concluding remark. In total, we think about having a discussion for about 60 minutes, so uh, you don't have to be uh, afraid uh, about your evening. So without a further ado, I would like to give the word to Anna Echterhoff, uh, who is the General Secretary of the Union of European Federalists and so uh, one of the uh, uh, hosts here today in who organized the, uh, the event in cooperation uh, with the European Economic and Social Committee. Anna, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Julian. Uh, um, dear ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the uh, of the Union of European Federalists, I warmly welcome you to our debate today on strategic lawsuits against public practice, a SLAP, how to protect journalists and civil society actors. For us, the Union of European Federalists, the commitment to democracy, the European values and rule of law has been at the center of our activities from the very beginning. Since our founding in Paris in 1946, we have been a leading voice in promoting European unity, advocating early on important milestones in the development of the European communities and later the European Union. These included a united Europe without borders, direct elections to the European Parliament, a common European currency, and so on and so on. And in mo the most recent highlight, we participated as part of civil society in the Conference on the Future of Europe. It is not without pride that I say that we have always been among the pioneers in the European uni unification process. Our objectives as organizations are to bring together European citizens who want to, to work for a federal Europe, act as a catalyst for the democratic forces in Europe, and stimulate public debate and reflection on the political vision of the European project, its history, and the values it represents. 
With our multifaceted program, political debates, advocacy campaigns, training measures, we thus contribute empowering citizens to actively participate in democratic processes, in political debates, and to form an opinion, critical ones included. We are a pan-European, non-partisan, non-governmental organization with sections in almost all 27 EU member states, large sections in some member states and smaller sections in others. In total, we have almost 30,000 members across the EU. Together with our sections at national, regional and local level, we mobilize European citizens of all ages, professions and social backgrounds for a stronger, more dem democratic and federal union. Against this background, I think it is no surprise that we intensively accompany all relevant initiatives in the area of democracy, European values and rule of law. This also includes the SLAP dossier. The classic victims of SLAP lawsuits are journalists and human rights defenders. However, as part of civil society, SLAP also concerns us. Civic spaces are essential for the capacity of civil society organizations to play a crucial role in the functioning and protection of democracy and the rule of law. Unfortunately, we see tendencies to limit these spaces. Strategic lawsuits against public participations are a tool to silence critical civil society. We expressively welcome the measures that the Commission has taken in this area so far. The European Commission has adopted a recommendation and a legislative proposal for a directive to protect journalists, civil society actors, and other people against SLAP. This will enable judges to dismiss manifestly unfounded lawsuits, force plaintiffs to cover the cost for court proceedings, and pay compensation for damages, and foresee additional protective measures. While the Commission proposal is quite advanced, much will depend on the member states, due implementation of the new provisions once they are in force. Like the Commission, we believe that a healthy and thriving democracy requires that citizens are able to participate actively in public debate without undue interference by public authorities or other powerful interests. We have followed with great interest the work on the opinion of the European Economic and Social Committee the initiative against abusive litigation targeting journalists and right defenders, and we, are, we, we very much welcome the opinion. We are honored to have the opportunity to enter into dialogue today with the rapporteur Thomas Wroblewski and the co-rapporteur Christian Moos of this opinion. Thank you so much. We are following, we are following the European Parliament's work on SLAP with equal interest. The SLAP dossier has many angles and aspects. I am therefore particularly looking forward to our, our debate as the comp composition of our panel today represents the different angles and aspects. We are honored to have with us Thomas Froblewski, uh, he's online, the rapporteur of the Economic and Social Committee uh, opinion, Christian Moos. Uh, and uh, sorry, I forgot, he's also a publisher and, and editor, so he brings in this specific um, perspective. Christian Moos, the co-rapporteur, 
and who is also the Secretary General of Europa Union Deutschland, the largest member section of UEF. Um, we welcome Camille Petit. She's communication and project officer at the European Federation of Journalists and, and will bring in the journalist perspective. And we will have um, Ilana Chicorel with us. She's member of the European Parliament and the shadow rapporteur on the dossier in the Parliament. A special pleasure um, for me is to welcome Julian Plotka as our moderator today. Uh, Julian is a political scientist and works at the University of Paso in Bonn and was appointed the, as um, the advisor to Christian Moos on this dossier. Finally, I would like to thank the Economic and Social Committee, especially its partnership teams, and Karin Serafini for making this debate possible <laughs> here um, in the Economic and Social Committee. Thank you so much. And uh, I would also like to thank Alexandre Metero and Ilaria Caria from the UEF Secretariat for organizing this event. Last but not least, we thank um, the European Commission to co our, for co-funding our activities within the CERF program. Thank you so much and I wish, wish us a very fruitful debate. Thank you, Anna. And now it's my pleasure to hand over to Tomasz Wroblewski. As you have already been introduced, I give you uh, the word for a second welcome on behalf of the European Economic and Social Committee. The floor is yours. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. This is a real honor to be uh, to represent the European Economic Social Council Committee at this uh, debate. Uh, this is uh, for us at ESC very important that uh, we are not just producing uh, uh, opinions, but also we have feel that they have an impact and then they can be uh, also uh, uh, discuss in a further future with other organization like yourself. Um, myself, I, as was, has been mentioned, I, yes, I was a publisher and editor for years, but also I was uh, always uh, closely working with uh, employers organization, which I'm representing now in Poland. I represent union of employers uh, small and medium companies, which represent 53,000 companies in Poland, small and medium. And um, uh, we started a long time ago, and it was still a martial law in Poland when we were discussing that the uh, most important thing for us is democracy and freedom. And we came up to conclusion that there is no freedom and democracy when you don't have the money to support it. And the only way to support it is to make free economy and uh, support entrepreneurship as such. And uh, this is uh, pretty much our story and how I came to cooperate with EEC. And uh, I think this would be quite important if I say that uh, we are already not only working with the Polish companies and uh, we are strengthening all the uh, e democratic issue and values, but also we are working right now with companies in Belarus or Ukraine. We are helping the companies who are stuck, who couldn't um, uh, develop in their mother countries and some of their moving to Poland. We are also helping them not only to build their companies here and still employ employees, but also with uh, some ideas and values of free 
market, how important they are. So we are come sometimes from different walks of life, um, like we are representing business, believing that freedom of speech and uh, free world has to have to be protected as a protector of free market. There's no free market without uh, freedom of speech, without critique and the right to question uh, government or other institution decisions. So this is quite important. And I sometimes uh, understand that we as employers are seen as the ones who are only interested in uh, financial gains and uh, uh, using market just for personal gains. But the truth is that um, uh, our organizations are as much uh, in, uh, in care of freedom of, of freedom of economy as a freedom of speech. And it was very important for me to participate in this project with Christian Moss, uh, the opinion we're working. So I could actually, at the same time, marry two most important parts of my life to discuss about uh, media, uh, something I spent almost 25 years of my life uh, working on a business side, on also on a journalistic side of media, and uh, my real uh, interest, which is uh, entrepreneurship and free market. So once again, thank you for your invitation. I'm looking forward for to the discussion. Thank you very much. And now I would like really to dive into the current topic on SLAP, which is really a, a timely topic here at the European Economic Social Committee. The opinion prepared by uh, uh, Tomasz and Christian just has been approved in the uh, section on uh, in, in the section for employment, social affairs and citizenship. So next month it will be discussed in the plenary. I think that's an important, really important step in the, in the process on EU legislation. However, uh, the recent uh, media pluralism monitor of, of the European University Institute also found that it's a really timely issue as uh, really the number of slap cases is increasing. It has been identified in the study as a major uh, threat to the uh, professional life of journalists. And therefore, I would like to first ask uh, Camille Petit, who has an experience as being the journalist and now is representing uh, the European Federation of Journalists. Uh, what is really the threat uh, uh, of slap against journalists? Uh, what does it mean for the daily work of journalists? And uh, why is it so important? to fight uh, against SLAP. The process is yours. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for inviting me again, actually. Um, I was there uh, in July also to, to present the view of the journalists. So thank you again for, um, for inviting me. Um, maybe just uh, briefly before starting, I, I will say just one word on the European Federation of Journalists, uh, which is a federation of journalist trade unions and journalist professional associations in Europe. So we really represent the profession of the journalist. Um, we have 71 members um, in 45 countries. So we're not only focusing on uh, EU countries, but also um, more like the Council of Europe countries, I would say, so uh, Turkey, Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, and so on. Um, so maybe to, to start with, I would just uh, like to remind um, of what a slap is. Um, so we here we're really talking about um, an abuse of the law. So I think this is very important to, to, to start the conversation uh, so that 
uh, we know a bit what we are talking about. We're really talking about um, lawsuits uh, filed in bad faith um, against a journalist or a media outlet um, with um, the intention to intimidate and to, to, to silence critical voices. Um, what's important to understand as well, I think it's that it's really the procedure itself, um, which is threatening uh, media and journalists. Um, it can take various forms. So we usually talk about like uh, proper lawsuits, uh, but already like a legal threat um, is already a sort of intimidation and it's already um, in a way having a, a chilling effect on the journalistic community. But really the procedures and, and the time it takes, um, the, the means it requires, the financial means is really um, what is um, what is threatening the media and the journalists and the whole journalistic community actually. Um, we received the signal that it's not okay to talk about this, uh, about this story, about this topic, um, because if you do it like the same will happen to you, we will sue you. Or we will threaten to sue you. Um, because also what's important to note is that in a big majority of cases, um, the, the, the objective is not so much to win. Um, so it's to intimidate. And actually, in a majority of cases, um, journalists and media outlets are actually the one winning. Um, another uh, features of SLAP, um, it's really the important uh, imbalance between the two parties where we have very different um, uh, capacity, financial capacity um, um, between, so let's say typically, I'm going to be a little bit um, uh, caricatural, let's say, but I think it's important because in most cases, actually, the caricature is actually the reality uh, where you have like a, an independent media outlet or a journalist or freelance journalist, so really a working on his own and um, in front of him or her uh, really like a, a big comp large companies or uh, powerful politicians or um, people close to powers or uh, in some countries we even see judges actually suing um, journalists. What's the impact um, on, on media outlets and journalists? Well first of all um, it takes a lot of time so it's really distracting completely from um, the daily work, um, distracting from um, investigation, ongoing investigations. Um, it's really um, the, the time it takes to prepare the defense um, is really um, something very difficult to 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 actually to 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 live with for for journalists. I mean, that's the testimonies we have that it's really like you cannot focus on work anymore when you when you start really um, uh, working on, on on your case. Um, it's also very expensive, um, in particular for small media outlets, in particular for freelance journalists, um, it, minimum uh, thousands of euros uh, for um, an easy procedures, I would say, but it can go uh, much higher for, for cases uh, lasting several years. Um, also, psychologically speaking, of course, uh, you, you, for journalists also, it's, you're like, like questioning your work. So, uh, did you act professionally? You know, in some cases, it can be quite of a, um, a really a questioning all your practices, um, how you've been working, although you know you've been doing some good work. Um, also, another thing I'd like to mention, um, because this is not always addressed, um, I feel it's also that sometimes um, it's a way. These slaps are also ways to uh, to find journalistic sources, um, and journalists sometimes have to disclose them, also to properly defend themselves. And we know how um, how uh, important it is to protect 
sources. Um, and, and this is sometimes really um, the sort of procedure that is used to, to find out who talked to the journalist. And sometimes um, I have a case in mind, um, the journalist decided not to disclose them, even if maybe for her that would have meant uh, that she could have lost because she was not able to properly show that she had a acted in good faith with a very um, strong uh, investigation um, with uh, reliable sources who sometimes spoke uh, anonymously. Um, so this is something quite important. And another thing also, which uh, I feel we, we do not um, discuss enough is also the fact that in some procedures, there is a request to tempor temporarily take down articles or paragraphs, the ones that are in question, um, during like pending the, the lawsuit. And this is really affecting, of course, the freedom of expression and the right um, to information of citizens, because um, what has been published and what is being questioned is being taken down. Um, and it's a kind of direct censorship, actually. So this, this is in a nutshell a bit what is at stake for journalists when you talk about slaps. Thank you very much. I think these insights are really important because when you talk about the, the proposal of the European Commission, that's a more practical debate. And I think many people participating in these debates do not really understand what is behind that for journalists, what it really means for them, and not just in a professional terms, but also in a private terms. Now, uh, I would like to turn to Christian Moos, as uh, journalists are not the only victims of, uh, uh, of SLAP, also civil society and other actors uh, are... Uh, uh, are faced uh, uh, um, by SLAP. Maybe you can give a view what uh, and share with us your view on what uh, SLAP means for civil society and maybe also take a broader look what SLAP means for European democracy in, in general. Yeah, thank you very much, Julian, and uh, uh, the UEF for, uh, for the opportunity to uh, speak about this very important, very timely uh, issue here and uh, for the possibility to present um, our opinion. Um, I think it deserves a lot of attention um, because it sounds very technical, SLAP, but it is something that concerns many people and basically all of us. And indeed, um, we, as civil society, we, we have been witnessing years, many years of what we call shrinking civic spaces. And part of those shrink shrinking civic spaces, and that's inseparable, are deteriorating conditions for journalism and for free media. Uh, so it's inextricably linked, cannot be separated. So the first, the, the, the most important victims of SLAP are journalists. So I don't want to have a misunderstanding there. And that, that's also very uh, important for civil society because we need free media. We need media diversity and media freedom. Um, Media diversity is also a very important condition for media freedom. There might be market failure here and there. It's another issue. Um, anyway, and, uh, um, but it's true that also civil society actors can be targeted by such strategic lawsuits against public participation. That could be any kind of activist, social, environmental, um, anyone, um, Blowing the whistle, basically. I mean, it, not the whistle, whistleblower um, protection is yet another uh, important uh, angle um, to the problem. But um, um, obviously, these this kind of abusive lawsuits, because abusive lawsuits can also be directed against um, people who blow the whistle, so who ring the, so who raise the alarm when uh, there is abuse of power, when there is corruption. It's often about corruption, um, and the. 
terrifying thing that we we have to um, um, realize is that um, it doesn't go without saying anymore that we have media freedom in Europe. Um, that we have had um, journalists um, killed, uh, attacked, investigative journalists that were killed in several cases in Malta, Slovakia, uh, and other places. And there's a lot of intimidation going on. Um, there's self-censorship. Um, there's a lack of diversity that leads to um, less media freedom. So all that is connected. And uh, this initiative by the European, uh, by the European Commission is very important. Um, we welcome it. And at the same time, obviously, we have, as in many other cases, when it comes to democracy and rule of law, which, which it is all about to some extent, um, when it comes to democracy and rule of law and its defense, um, we also see, obviously, that the Commission is lacking in competence there, unfortunately. So we need more competence also there at the European level. Um, we need strong European institutions and actors and uh, obviously um, very much looking forward to working with European Parliament there, also representatives of civil society. Um, we are in exchange there already um, um, to, um, to make sure that this is um, treated as what it is, a very urgent subject, that we need a better defense of journalists and of civil society uh, actors who may be targeted by such abusive lawsuits, which are indeed, which, which are only... Um, started to um, to silence them um, and uh, to um, and also to send a signal to other journalists um, not to do their not to do their work as they ethically should be doing it um, to um, so to go to to um, to, to avoid such problems um, to self censor themselves. Um, so, in other words, this is uh, of utmost importance, and um, um, we hope that. Um, the um, European Commission will find more um, uh, comp well more grounds to to go a bit further than they are. The, the proposal is very good, but what is important is that it's not only um, tackling cross border cases because many slaps or most slaps happen inside countries and um, they are nonetheless very harmful and abusive. So that needs to be tackled too, and we cannot rely on the member states. Um, improving this the situation because several member states unfortunately are not fully fledged democracies anymore so there we have problem thank you thank you very much uh, i really like this picture of shrinking spaces or shrinking civic spaces because i think really describes what happens uh, uh, through slap uh, if we talk about the free media or the plurality of media, it's not just journalists so important to this, it's also about media companies. And uh, therefore, I would like now uh, uh, to invite uh, Tomasz Wroblewski uh, on the one hand to, uh, to share your view as you are more in the position of an editor. So you, you had in the past more the, uh, the company's perspective also uh, maybe a first question uh, what is uh, the threat to uh, to uh, media companies from uh, SLAP? And maybe you also could uh, introduce briefly the opinion uh, which you prepared uh, together with Christian Moos uh, so that we can then start, uh, kick off the second round on debates, going more into the details of the opinion and the current legislative processes, so to say, to the solutions to fighting SLAP. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, uh, I'm speaking probably as an uh, editor having uh, experience with SLAP personally, 
the thing is that uh, when at the time when I was uh, in media, um, we had powerful and strong publishing houses who are strong enough to face not only corporations, companies, uh, uh, but also uh, government. We are not we're not afraid of standing up to any government, and obviously we were faced with a lot of lawsuits and sometimes costly. But our publishing publishing houses are were uh, affluent, uh, strong institutions, and they didn't have to be afraid of. All I want to say is, slap is nothing new. We had it for years, and in all European countries. It's not just phenomena of Russia or Belarusia. We had it in European Union. It's just uh, journalists were much safer having umbrella of their strong publishing houses. We are living in different times. Uh, on one hand, they are much better for freedom of speech. We have a more diversified market. We have uh, single publishers every day publishing their thoughts. Uh, we have uh, our very diversified forms. And I believe also more people are involved personally in media. So it's a good time. The things that happened in recent years are phenomenal for freedom of speech and uh, advocating any uh, cases and anything we all stand for, which is democracy, freedom in European Union, European Union, rule of law. All those values are really strengths in, in, uh, thanks to social media and all different platforms. But at the same time, the, uh, the publishers now, uh, every, all those who are enjoying freedom of speech are in much more difficult position than before. They can't face lawsuits against big corporations when they are they have to fend themselves in three courts at the same time. Uh, the, they don't have uh, enough uh, finances to pay lawyers to be in the uh, case of Poland. We had uh, cases like that to be in Krakow, in Warsaw, and Gdańsk at the same time, almost time. Um, we, uh, we not only... The, the lawsuits can be gagging effect, but also they just simply won't have a time to publish. They will have to spend most of the time in court. So I think the it is very important that the commission uh, undertook this uh, idea right now, because I, I think media are much more in danger today than ever before, probably since... Uh, beginning of the uh, 20th century, when we have a spring of new media and, and new networks, and they also had the financial troubles at the beginning. So I'm quite convinced we'll go through it. We'll see new media models within probably 10 years or maybe five years, and they will be strong enough to defend their causes. But for today, it is a real danger. Uh, and uh, it is something that actually can work for uh, companies, people, or governments who want to gag uh, and uh, prevent journalists or activists from speaking out. Um, 
so uh, this is this is why I think we should have this directive as soon as possible implemented uh, and not just discuss, but also to find a way how to uh, convince other governments to uh, to obey how the to implement the same laws. This is very delicate matter because we are, as you know, uh, dealing with uh, legal procedures that are different in different countries. And in a lot of instances, they are not covered by EU tractates. So uh, we have to pretty much convince other governments and groups and uh, courts to implement, implement these laws. So this is why it is so important that also organizations like, like European Federalists would spread the gospel, because they would talk about it, Slav, and help us you know, also to differentiate between uh, uh, and this, uh, to, to, to uh, assure uh, courts, politicians, that it's not uh, attempt to infringe or to change the legal system. On contrary, is to strengthen the legal system. In no way, SLAP is to manipulate with uh, legal procedures. In no way, uh, and we stress that in our opinion, uh, it was a law that could uh, actually uh, deprive anybody from the right to defend their good name person or company. This is crucial for, obviously, the uh, legal system, for democracy, and has to stay. We are talking, as has been said before, about abusing the system. And uh, uh, something we also stress, how important is, the, in our opinion, uh, education, how to educate um, different groups of society not only to be aware of what we are facing, but also to defend ourselves. And in our opinion, we also uh, show some weaknesses uh, or uh, some things that the Commission and the European Parliament can still work on. Like, for example, that uh, judges would have the right for immediate dismissal of the cases, of the lawsuits, when it's obvious that this is typical slap, when you have multiple, multiple similar uh, lawsuits, when you have uh, organizations or media, even some media, calling other uh, the readers or their members to sue a certain person or organization to organize like a lawsuit campaign. Uh, so just by recognizing and naming uh, the abuse of law, we can probably start preventing it. It's a long way to implement it. One thing is to name the problem. The second is to implement it in all over uh, Europe. And um, also we have to face the, the truth. We are going through very difficult times in Europe. Um, uh, we are looking for our new little identity with the war in Ukraine, with internal discussions about uh, democracy, uh, internal discussion about uh, how 
and what values we should strengthen. This, the, this would be one of the issues. It would be very difficult to discuss within particular countries and nations. I want to thank you again, European Federalists, to, to even talk about it. And I think I'm, uh, thanks to you, also getting idea to organize similar conference uh, in Poland. Um, pretty much rather spreading awareness of the problem, naming the problem, not just uh, uh, for, for, for discussion's sake, but mostly to educate. Thank you. Thank you very much. So my key takeaway when it comes to SLAP is that journalists and publishers are really in the same boat in this case. And thank you very much also for underlining the urgency of the the issue. So now it's my pleasure to welcome Ilana Sikorel, a member of the European Parliament and Shadow Rapporteur for the Renew Group for Europe uh, on the SLAP dossier. And I hope I'm not mistaking you are a lawyer by by training, but have you have also worked for uh, as a journalist for a couple of years? So I think that's a perfect uh, combination to uh, to address this dossier in the European Parliament. And so I will, I would be very much interested in your view on what are the main challenges related to SLAP, and maybe you can already give us some insights on the debates in the European Parliament. However, as I understand, even though the dossier is really urgent, uh, the European Parliament is still in a very early stage in this discussing it and uh, work will uh, just resume in the next weeks. Thank you very much for join, uh, accepting our invitation. The floor is yours. Uh, uh, dear members of the Union of European Federalists, dear members of the European Economic and Social Committee, dear panelists, uh, I would like first of all to thank you for inviting me to this debate. Uh, as you just said, as a member of the European Parliament and as shadow rapporteur for the Renew Group on the Anti-SLAP Directive in the Jury Committee, it's extremely valuable for me to be here today. And as you may know, the discussion have not, you just, you just uh, uh, um, recall that uh, uh, the discussions have not formally started in the parliament and I am currently launching consultations. So I am therefore glad to have the chance to interact with you today and uh, would be delighted to continue exchanging with you uh, on that major topic in the coming weeks. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me uh, no, I, I won't be able to, to tell you exactly how the negotiation will, will, uh, will go on because it's just the beginning of the process. But uh, let me first take a step back to look at the bigger picture. Uh, for years, slaps have been a growing issue in Europe. However, they are only the tip of the iceberg because the most pervasive effects of slaps lie in the self-censorship they bring about within civil society, within the journalist uh, community, uh, uh, especially, and well ahead of proceeding in course. So this means uh, uh, an ambitious communication strategy will be indispensable to make the legislation known and give it its full magnitude. So it's just not only to, uh, to have good, good, good legislation, but to, to, to make people know that it exists so that, you know, it's self-censorship that is all the, the worst uh, stop, of course. So let um, more broadly, such legislation must be part of a broader plan for freedom of expression. This implies educating people, especially young generation, to media literacy and critical thinking. This also implies coming out of a defensive 
shell in the face of disinformation and foreign interference. I am, of course, very attached to this defensive uh, 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 approach that we have in the parliament, but I am in favor of also develop a positive strategy to promote enlightened information across the EU. Today, Europe must have the courage to finance the defendants of factual truth and informed discussion. That is why I advocate for the creation of a permanent European fund to guarantee independence and freedom of the media. I think that our enemies know exactly how to invest in disinformation, and we have to uh, authorize ourselves uh, to finance uh, subsequently, uh, significantly, uh, um, the media that are respecting, you know, uh, the rule of the ontology of a good journalism. To come to the, I would like to say a few words now about the draft directive itself, and I would like uh, to focus on three main points that have been raised by uh, the EESC, the, the AVI that I, I, I read. First, the Commission's proposal is of course welcome, but its scope is limited to cross-border civil and commercial proceedings. And I share your fear of deficiency and your view that a comprehensive action against SLAPs requires a unified approach in both cross-border and national cases. So we will have to find ways. Therefore, I will do my best uh, during our discussion in the parliament to push for a strong cooperation between the commission and the member states in order to find the appropriate combination of European and national measures against both cross-border and domestic slaps. It is absolutely crucial to make EU's response effective. Second point regarding the procedural warranties proposed in the draft directive, I have carefully noted your recommendation on additional tools to implement, and I can assure you that parliaments and I will do my best to identify efficient solutions which will afford a legally sound balance between the rights of all parties at stake. One point of the draft directives uh, concerns first and foremost civil society organization. This is the Article 7 that provides that a court may accept that a non-governmental organization take part in proceedings either in support of the defendants or to provide information. In its report, uh, you know there was a re an in what we call an initiative report from the Parliament, and this, in this report the Parliament and my political group, Renew in particular, had gone further, asking that third parties, especially uh, uh, non-governmental non organizations, uh, should be allowed to subrogate to the defendant's rights and obligation. And I tend to favor this proposal, uh, and I would be very interested to hear your views in, in this proposal. But I, I think that this point uh, should be raised during the negotiation. And so the, third, the third point, uh, as a member of also of, of the cult committee, because I belong to the, to the jury committee and the cult committee, I am grateful for the attention that uh, the European Economic and, uh, Economic and Social Committee focuses on education. Indeed, education measures will play a key role in the fight against slaps and should be implemented for legal professionals and participants in the public debate. But as mentioned earlier, 
slaps are only part of a much wider issue. Disinformation is growing and attacks on freedom of speech multi are multiplying across Europe at a time where the war in Ukraine confronts us to a civilizational challenge to ensure the protection of pluralism against autocracies. I think this is the right time for Europe to emerge as a real educational power. Emmanuel Macron had made it uh, with unprecedented political will, a key priority on the agenda of the French presidency of the Council of the uh, European Union. And the aim is to build a real European education area by 2025. It's also, you know, this is for the first time that the Commission has decided to have um, a general uh, strategy about education. And so it shows a, a new ambition in this field. So indeed, Europe will persist if it can and persist and develop. And uh, if it can embark all citizens, especially young generation, on the defense of its model and its core values. And I know how important this is uh, um, to uh, the federalist movement. Uh, for uh, a true European like you, and I'm, I'm including myself in this community of uh, Europhiles. So at the time, Europe should finally take advantage of, of its unique educational diversity to perform on the world's educational stage. So in this perspective, I am currently pushing hand-in-hand hand, uh, uh, with the Commission, especially uh, Maria Gabrielle, uh, for the creation of a European teacher's module. This module would be a teaching unit collectively built up by all member states and based on the exchange of the best practical practices across Europe. And this module would be part of all teachers' training program in the EU. Uh, it will be the place uh, to elaborate collectively shared responses to the big educational challenges of our times that are amongst other, of course, media literacy and critical thinking. Uh, a place to develop tools of a level of excellence that would have not been possible without Europe. So our work is already paying off. The Council of European Ministers for Education has set the module as a shared objective in its conclusion of uh, um, the meeting of the 5 April 2022. And so we need to keep up our effort to make it a reality. And to do so, we can count on existing tools such the Erasmus Plus teacher academies in which European teachers already exchange on best pra pedagogical practices. So my dream is to scale up this model and I would be delighted to, to count on your support to make it a reality. But I wanted to share it with you because I think that freedom of speech, um, critical thinking, uh, the knowledge also of all the legislation that exists and that we are going uh, uh, to create now, uh, to face this new situation that uh, uh, other panelists have just described, should be included in this, I would say, common culture of the teachers of Europe, because it's, we need the, the, the help of teachers to, uh, to diffuse uh, this, um, this attachment of the new generation to, to the core values that we are so attached to. Thank you very much. 
Thank you very much for on the one hand on the one hand going into details uh, of the uh, draft opinion and also the proposal of the European Commission and on the other hand broadening the scope also behind the current proposal referring to the European Media Freedom Act uh, maybe we come uh, can come back to this broader perspective in the concluding round and now I would like to go a little bit more into detail uh, with regard to the current proposal and uh, maybe Camille you would like to share from uh, your perspective uh, or your assessment of the current proposal and the opinion, uh, what are the achievements and where are the def deficits seen from the perspective of journalists? Yeah, I think I will echo actually what was uh, said on the directive because I think we we're all on the on the same line. Um, um, I know we have stronger lives in the European Parliament, in the ESC, and uh, in the European Commission. Definitely, the the hard work will be um, with regards to to the member states. But uh, this is for we still have a, a few months to go. Um, I would say that our two um, our two main disappointments, I will put it like this, um, are um, the cross border limitation. Uh, definitely, um, as um, I think Christian said. This is the, the tip of the iceberg. It's really a minority of cases. Um, these are very important and extreme cases that we definitely need to, to, to fight. Uh, but it's really not a majority. And, and most of the slaps are domestic. And, um, I'm afraid that we're a little bit missing the point here with this directive and that, um, the, the impact in, in, at the national level will not be as huge, as huge as, um, expected. Um, the, the, the second thing is uh, indeed the fact that the directive um, only covers civil matters. Um, I, I want to stress that defamation is still a, a criminal offense in many EU countries and, um, and, and slaps are both um, in the civil complaints and uh, criminal complaints. And here again, we are a little bit um, dividing into two categories. Um, slaps and uh, and I'm afraid that many many cases that we we see that we report uh, will not fall under the, the directive so that makes um, actually the recommendation all the more important um, for us although of course it's non-binding um, but there are many very good points in the recommendation that uh, we will try to 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 take up um, and to really um, do some advocacy work at uh, member state level also using this recommendation um, but we have few illusions, unfortunately, about the political will in many countries um, where public officials uh, are actually um, the ones filing the slaps. You know, this is a bit uh, what we what we have to keep in mind. Uh, so, yeah, we are getting prepared for for some uh, hard work uh, at the at the member states um, level. Um, as regards to the opinion, um, I must say that we we've had a quite good cooperation on on the text. Um, it's really addressing um, many of 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 the issues that we are advocating for um so i hope it will be um uh, impactful also for for the european commission um uh, as as the legislative process is uh, is uh, is ongoing thank you very much so for future formats i i uh note down that we should try to get uh, someone from the member states on board uh, however from different from, uh, other topics uh, i know that's really hard to to get a representative of the rotating council presidency as they are often cautious uh, to to discuss such issues in in public now uh, i would like to give the floor to uh, christian uh, 
I'm afraid you have probably the most difficult task as a lot of, of has already been said and there's wide agreement. Uh, but I'm also interested or I hope also all participants are interested in your assessment of the uh, commission proposal, especially with regard to the perspective from civil society. No, I think the most, thank you, uh, Julian, the most important things have been said. What I would like to do is um, look ahead and um, I would like to accept the offer made by um, 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 Madame Curiel um, that we we should work together um, and uh, we should really, uh, I've, I've been in touch also with uh, with uh, with colleagues from the S&D group and uh, I think we should, we should um, in a cross-partisan way, cooperate here, civil society and DEP, to push this dossier and get as much attention and support for it as possible to build some sort of public pressure also um, um, on the council, because that indeed, uh, I fully agree with Camille Petit, uh, will be the uh, the difficult part um, of... Um, 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 of the follow-up to the proposal of the Commission. Um, and indeed, where the limitations of the proposal are, where we wanted to go, the Commission to go further, I mean, that's because they, they know, they know that the reaction of the Council will be difficult. That's, that's sort of anticipating it. You know, that's why I, don't, I think that the Commission probably would want to go further. Um, so we need, uh, public, uh, public pressure and, um, to achieve that, I think that civil society organizations, um, as they are represented important sectors of the economic and social life here in this committee and the European Parliament, which is legitimacy speaking for European citizens, um, we should cooperate closely. And, um, I hope that we can follow up on that. And Thomas and I are looking forward to, um, having a round of cups of coffee, um, in the European Parliament and the weeks to follow to, um, to see to that together. Um, and we'd be very grateful if, um, you, madam, um, received us and uh, made that possible that together with the future rapporteur and the shadow rapporteurs and others uh, involved that we can follow up on that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, we are already a little bit late. However, I would like to give the uh, uh, audience also the opportunity to ask questions if there are any. If you're online, you're welcome to post them in the chat that doesn't seem to be the case so you you have yeah yeah please uh i think for two questions we have enough time i'm afraid it's more um a statement or a proposal um on speaking as someone representing a civil society organization i heard a couple of times um that education is uh, very important and um I think Mr. Froblewski and also Mrs. Um, Shikorel mentioned it. Um, I, um, I would like to stress that education, um, does not only take part in the, for in the formal context, meaning schools. So, um, in, um, having programs for teacher, it's, it, teachers is, it's excellent. It's very good. But we, um, should also, don't forget that uh, there's also non-formal parts of education and democracy and how to implement uh, democracy or to build opinions. This you learn um, at school, yes, but also in these non-formal contexts and in the room and the space that is given by civil society organizations such as UEF. 
when we have a debate on a certain topic, um, we have exchanges, we have even fights about sentences, dots and commas in our position papers we're creating. But this is this is um, very important, especially for young people to to um, to 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 work and to learn um, democracy processes and so on. And this, I would like um, to ask you to not to forget and also to to um, to include in your uh, thoughts about education in in these contexts. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. As I do not see any additional questions, may we come to a very brief concluding round. And here I would like to take up uh, uh, the proposal of uh, uh, Madame Sicurel, uh, just looking a little bit uh, beyond the current SLAP initiative. And uh, uh, there are more uh, issues on the table with regard to media freedom and media plurality. Maybe you just could uh, uh, address what is, from your point of view, the most important issue uh, with regard to media freedom and media plurality, which uh, should be addressed on the European level beyond the SLAP initiative. Uh, maybe I just give uh, Mr. Wroblewski, as a rapporteur for the opinion, the, uh, the floor at first. Yes. Um, uh I think the, the education and the, on all different formats is extremely important. When we are starting working on the SLAP, I look into some uh, academics and uh, lawyers and uh, uh, people who will be actively in Poland interested in uh, developing ideas for Poland SLAP. And pretty much I found only one professor of, uh, from Krakow, uh, the only person who has actually been studying ideas of SLAP and trying to uh, address that in Polish legal system. When we talk to some uh, judges and uh, some lawyers actually knew what, what the concept is, what it is, and quite often they're using it in uh, courtrooms, uh, not uh, sometimes using as a rhetoric line and not really themselves understanding uh, what it is and applying that to in cases which are not slap sometimes. So then I understood that we are having bigger problems than I thought because in uh, at least in Poland, in the legal environment, people are not aware uh, the dangers and how the system works. So uh, yes, I would also stress the needs of education and this has to be done in variety ways, including uh, uh, teaching new uh, and all the judges and also uh, our whole community. And this will be extremely uh, important that uh, institutions, uh, NGOs would also take in, uh, on account. In Poland, um, uh, I'm coming back to Poland because I think that the problem is uh, still very uh, big in my country. We still have the law that criminalizes uh, freedom of speech. Um, I, I never heard of anybody actually being put in a prison, but in theory, uh, one could be put in the prison up to two years. And the, the law, uh, which has been created in the communist times, and since communist times, we completely overhaul whole legal system. But this particular paragraph, 212 in Polish uh, 
criminal code is still there. And it says that if a person, um, uh, not, not even committed, but if the person, something the, the, the person wrote or said could possibly endanger business of other person or company can be uh, sued for even for up to two years in prison. And it says if it could actually hurt the company. So the, the, the someone who is uh, suing the journalist doesn't even have to prove that it has any impact. It just enough to say, well, actually, I didn't lose much money, but in theory, uh, people could stop buying my product. And it doesn't matter whether it was truth or not. We had an incredible, we had a cases where um, in civil suits, journalists would win, and in the criminal court, they would lose because of the construction of the law. And I spent years of uh, lobbying Polish politicians, parliamentarians to change the law, and it never happened. So this is just to show you, and it's not that only Poland that has this, has this law. So um, it, it just shows you how long way we have to go. Uh, the, uh, the slap is just tip of the iceberg. We have a much bigger even problem in our legal system. So we have to start with education and the uh, European Union has very limited powers when it comes to um, influencing national governments in case of legal system. Uh, so a lot has to be done by organizations like ours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Mr. Curiel, what is uh, on your agenda, the next uh, uh, agenda item with regard to promoting uh, media freedom and media plurality beyond? Uh, I have a lot. I'm, I'm also, you know, uh, the, the founder and the president of a, of a collective of citizens uh, that is uh, present all over France. So I'm also, you know, part of the civil society and uh, and NGO world. Uh, I would like just to focus for, for, the, for, for my conclusion on, on the slap, because I think it's a very important thing. I share completely with you and with Camille Petit that the, the big fight will be on the scope. So I, I, I recall that we are co-legislators, so it is a proposal of the, of, the, of the commission, but we will have as, par, as, as members of parliament, you know, um, a, a lot to do, I mean, to, 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 to make the, the text evolve uh, and, and be broad, as, as broad as possible. So the problem of the scope, um, the, the frustration to have only cross-border um, uh, procedures covered, but I think that we maybe we can, it depends how you interpret cross-borders. So you, you have, I think that it's a fight and we will, we will be uh, uh, very determined to go as, as as far as possible in this in this uh, for this matter, and also as you said, uh, the fact that it is uh, civil and commercial uh, um, uh, law that that is covered, but uh, you know for for criminal affairs when the civil aspects will be also covered. So I think that most of the slaps will be covered, but it's absolutely true that uh, we can also um, try to, to have a scope broad, broad uh, to, to, to have a, a broader scope uh, for, for, for this also. And, uh, and, and concerning education, I think that 
of course, education, and I got your point um, that it concerned also adults, non-formal and you know, I'm, uh, we are very attached uh, and more and more to long life education. And so I think that all what we, we have been speaking about should, should be really part of, of, this, um, of this long life uh, um, education because, because it's, uh, it's not only uh, the kids. I mean, we, we, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, really a, a huge challenge that we, we have in front of us. So for now, I will, you know, in the next weeks, uh, be very, very focused on, on the slabs. And I will finish saying that, okay, slabs is, is, a, is, is the, the scope is, is, is very precise, but it's good also because we, and I think that we have to see this legislation as a laboratory for something bigger. You know, if it's, we have to do it as efficient as possible and to use it and to make it known. And then it can help us, you know, to it's maybe the beginning of a European legislation that uh, that we need in this world of, of Internet that is uh, that needs, I mean, uh, 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 totally a re a revolution in the legislation of the press. I mean, in order to, to protect a freedom of press, which is one of the of the mo most precious uh, uh, value that we have in uh, in Europe. So, so, so that's what what I say, and I, and I thank you very much, and I remain totally open to. Uh, to uh, to exchanges uh, after this uh, very pleasant meeting, and of course you are very welcome to have a coffee in in Brussels. So let's let's be in touch. Thank you for the invitation again. Thank you very much for this kind offer. Uh, maybe question uh, one uh, project on media freedom you have on your table after slap. Yeah, Thomas and I are actually continuing to work together, and I'm very happy about this um, on the European Media Freedom Act. Uh, so, which is obviously also related to um, to, to to the whole problem of um, shrinking civic uh, basis and uh, uh, media freedom and media diversity. And uh, so, um, we can also possibly exchange on that then, because I suppose that uh, all those who are working on SLAB also in European Parliament will also carry strong interest in this file. Um, so that's something we are, we're aiming for, maybe for the next uh, next month. Um, we will get in touch with you. And thank you so much for um, having some time for us here. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Camille, I think you also have more uh, topics on the table than just SLAP. Yeah, well, I could also mention the European Media Freedom Act, which has been uh, um, uh, keeping us quite busy uh, these past few weeks. But actually, I think of a, of a more pressing issue, uh, which is the safety of journalists. Um, I mean, of course, we are talking on we are we are working on many on many different issues, but this one is really now a, a priority, a high priority of the EFJ. It used to be more a topic of the IFJ, International Federation of Journalists, but now we actually see that the needs are in Europe. Uh, what once was safe grounds uh, like streets, public places, uh, are now actually hostile environment for journalists. Um, I can mention the many protests, demonstrations uh, during the COVID-19, for example, pandemic, but also uh, still happening now, where we actually see that um, there is some hostility, both from citizens, uh, but also uh, from the police, for example, towards journalists. Um, I'm, of course, I can also, of course, mention the recent murders of journalists. Uh, they were happening in Europe 
even in the European Union, Slovakia, Greece, Malta, Netherlands. And um, I think there is a, a huge work um, to, to be done, both for like normal fields, so just going out on assignments and actually be ready for any potential attacks uh, or risks, but also, of course, to war zones, and we now have uh, a war zone quite, uh, quite close to us. And um, I mean, we, we are always a little bit surprised to see how journalists uh, Actually, they're not really prepared for, for any of this. And so we are really now focusing uh, a lot on um, training for journalists. Uh, this is also a responsibility, of course, of uh, employers, uh, of member states also to put in place a certain number of, uh, number of measures. And, and the, the, the European Commission uh, knows this because um, it published a recommendation uh, on the safety of journalists uh, a year ago. Uh, nothing really has been done since then. Um, uh, we we do not see any concrete measures really to be put in place um, for something as crucial as uh, physical safety of actually journalists in Europe and in the European Union. So um, this is uh, something I, would, I wanted to raise today. Thank you very much for reminding us of this urgent matter and it underlines, I think, once more the issue which has been raised a couple of times, how important the follow-up is uh, to to uh, to really uh, follow up on new legislation and EU uh, level projects so that they are properly implemented. Uh, so uh, I think the key takeaway with regard to SLAP is that now the, the main task is uh, are the member states and the member states governments, uh, as we, we have seen here quite uh, a consensus and uh, a common position on the among the uh, European institutions. However, uh, the big challenge are, is the support by the member states uh, in the council and uh, putting this onto our all our to-do list. I would like to thank first of all the audience, then a special thank to our four speakers that they participated in this kind of pilot project, uh, bringing together the European Economic and Social Committee uh, in such a hybrid event and discussing this with a broader public. Uh, also thank you to uh, to the Union of European Federalists uh, and uh, the um, the staff of the European Economic and Social Committee who made this possible. And now I wish you a pleasant evening and hope to see you soon in another event of the uh, European Economic and Social Committee or the European uh, the Union of European Federalists. Thank you very much. <laughs>